MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The numbers told the story they always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. Last day of the vacay for Gil Alexander on Jonathan Von Tobel filling in today. We're going to have a fun show. Uh, just one guest joining us today, but it's going to be in person. Paul Carr is going to be with us. Talk a little soccer, a little football. Had a wild night last night here in Las Vegas. USA, Mexico going at it once again. Americans getting a 3-0 win over Mexico. We'll talk about the shenanigans at the end of that game. Big picture. Also, of course, I didn't know this. I was looking up some stuff. We're about a week away from the start of the Gold Cup. So we got a lot mm-hmm. to discuss. Uh, Women's World Carr. Cup this summer That's as right. well in about a month. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to be out out and about during the uh, the uh, Gold Cup play. My wife's a big Gold Cup fan. If you, I don't know if you're a fan of the Gold Cup, but she enjoys watching it. Okay. Put it that way, so. yeah. Can't wait to watch it. All right. It is an interesting day. Kelly's here as well. Um, I'm going to open up with something non-sports betting that I have to ask you about. It actually got ruined about 10 minutes ago. Uh, it is a It's a very beautiful day. Out here in Las Vegas. I'm a big fan of rain, and it is raining. It's pretty. It's coming it's down raining. pretty hard. It's raining. Before I left, my wife told me, here, and she threw something at me, and it was a, an umbrella. I started cackling in the... Fu- in so the, you saw uh, the, me. The, I, was, I was walking I through you. the sports book, <laughs> spinning it like I was in, like, some 1960s, you know, <laughs> like old school musical, just whistling and whatnot. You had quite an entrance into the sports book. What a... What, when was the last time you used an umbrella? Because I figured the I will tell you this. Usually, question. usually I don't, but I figured because I'm gonna be on camera yeah. that you didn't want like water spots all over me. So I was like, all right, it makes sense. I will use this. It didn't help that I'm a somewhat large man using a clear umbrella with a lot of flowers all over it. Um, <laughs> so it probably looked a little goofy. But when was the last time you used an umbrella? Because that was the first time in a long time that I've used one. Okay, great question. Because, yes, we live in Nevada. And, yes, I've lived here for five years now. You've lived here your entire life. Pretty much. The, pretty much your entire life. The, I, I mean, no, I have not used one a single time since I've lived here. But even in South Florida, like, I would actively dodge using them. So, like, even – let's use you for example. You chose to park outside and yep. walk w- outside of the South Point and use your umbrella to walk in when there's a perfectly good parking garage here that just connects. Too long of a walk. <laughs> Too long of a walk. See, I just went and parked over there. I didn't have to grab an umbrella today. But then you got to walk all the way over back there. Like, for those yeah, who don't know, no, the, know, the parking garage is very far in that direction. It's like a whole 150 yards. That's yeah, pretty far. It's pretty far. When I could just park on the side of the street here, it's the, one of the best kept secrets at the South Point. Nobody whoa, ever really parks whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't, don't be giving out the secret. I will say, there's actually a lot of no parking signs there, 
But there's so many people that park back there that I feel like, all right, we're good. I'm not going to get in trouble. There you go. For those who are watching, to the left side of your screen, there's like a nice little alleyway that goes down the side of the South Point. What a beautiful shot. Yeah. Uh, this is not live, by the way, if you're watching. Um, and, yeah, right down the side of the street, there's an empty road. And, you know, that's where I park. That's where I usually park. Matt Eumann showed it to me. Now that Eumann's is no longer with us, he's at the Vison studio uh, in Circa. He is alive. Yeah, he's alive. Um, <laughs> yeah, I use it in his honor. So, I will say, I should specify, this is the first time that I've used an umbrella here in Las Vegas in a very long time. Uh, I want to say about four months ago, did take the kid to the opening of Super Nintendo World over there at Universal Studios, and it started hailing. So we had to run into the Harry Potter gift shop, which was right there, because I was in shorts and a T-shirt, and I had to buy an umbrella. A, 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 all of a sudden, $70 umbrella? Uh, yeah, along with a, with oh, by the way, that turned into a $270 trip, because, and that's just with the merchandise, because it was uh, got it had to get a lot, including, uh, you know, oversized Harry Potter Ravenclaw gloves for the wife and a jacket. Oh, it was absolutely ridiculous. But we do have a, we have a lot of fun in store for today. Uh, we have more markets added. We were actually just talking, for those who didn't catch it, did a great episode with Luke Swain at Vegas Refund the other day on Hardwood Handicappers, previewing the uh, NBA draft. One of the things that he brought brought up that he wanted to see out there in the market top tens well guess what that got posted yesterday so we'll get to that we have some news and names being attached to the Detroit Pistons as part of the NBA draft that'll be all with us in about 15 20 minutes from now but we start with yesterday how about this this was great there hasn't or there wasn't shouldn't say hasn't there wasn't a 62 recorded in a round at the U.S. Open in 122 years before yesterday then within a 30-minute span, both Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both recorded 62s yesterday over there at the L.A. Country Club. You see the lowest rounds in U.S. Open history. Uh, those two, of course, posting their 62s, beating out Johnny Miller, I remember it fondly, over at Oakmont in 1973, and then Jack Nicklaus, and uh, I always mess up the name. Please, Kelly, help me out Tom here. Tom Weisskopf? Yeah, okay, there, there we go. go. I always want to do the P, Weisskopf. <laughs> uh, okay. And then a, a glut of other golfers, the 63s, at a, a different amount of uh, courses in U.S. Opens my guy Tommy Fleetwood there. I invoked the memory of Shinnecock uh, about uh, what two or three days ago when we were talking about Fleetwood at the U.S. Open. But how about that yesterday, huh? And I guess this is kind of what I'll ask you, Kelly, because you're the more hardcore golf guy. But I feel like this is kind of what you get every once in a while. If you're going to do something new in terms of a course that maybe you're not too familiar with, I, you run the, the risk of something like this, where the U.S. Open is supposed to be the biggest test in golf. Uh, it was supposed to be something that makes these guys want to snap the clubs over their legs. Some even, our own Femi Abebefe, complains about the U.S. Open and says like, hey, man, this is too hard. I want to watch something. Femi also complained on Twitter, I'll call him out, uh, that this was too easy. So I don't know what you want, Femi. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> what did you make of play yesterday? Was that just a flash in the pan? Or from what you saw yesterday, is this how the course is going to play? And we're going to have a U.S. Open with scores that are like, you know, 12 under, 13 under, 14 under to win this thing. Yeah, I think a little bit of both um we saw i, I look i think there's a couple a, a couple things first round you're you, you're usually always going to get easier rounds than what you're going to see on the weekend okay. just because of pin location and that's going to always matter especially if you've looked at these green complexes all week they are not your usual green complexes that you're going to see on the pga tour a lot of uh, a lot of different shaped, just shaped greens where you could put pins in very different, difficult spots. I would expect to see that more on the weekend. Um, I didn't really catch a lot from what, what they, what, what at least tournament officials said yesterday, JVT. I don't think I would expect a ton of change with the course today, at least. Okay. I think it's going to wait till the weekend. But what you saw yesterday was 
Look, it was overcast most of the day, most of the day, so those greens don't get baked out by the sun all day and get a lot faster, which I would expect to happen today. Um, so scoring in the afternoon, I think, is going to be tougher today. Um, it, it is, but the sun bakes out those greens. That becomes an issue. Um, it, so there was a lot. It was favorable conditions for a lot of those golfers yesterday. I will point out, though, that also a lot of these golfers were saying during their practice rounds all week that, hey, a lot of them thought there were 62, 63s out there. I think it right. was JT who, like, they weren't really keeping track, but basically shot a 61 during his practice round. They thought there were some low scores out there. They also warned, though, hey, there's going to be 80s out there, too, and people yep. get stuck in the barranca and, uh, and that whole mess, the dried-out creek bed and everything. And what we saw, or at least from what I, I felt I saw yesterday, is seemingly everybody that ended up in that thing was able to get out of it pr- relatively cleanly. Um, you know, Ricky Fowler had that ridiculous yep. shot from the bridge. Um, so I don't, you know, and maybe those, you know, maybe playing out of that JVT is a little easier than actually everybody thought it was going to be. And like you said, it's a course we really haven't seen before. So we thought that was going to be the most penal area of the golf course because there's no water. And maybe it, it doesn't end up being as difficult as we thought. I don't think that's going to happen. I think once this weekend comes, we're going to see a tougher golf course. Yeah, and one of the things that I thought of, we have that graphic right there in terms of all the you know the lowest rounds in U.S. Open history. And um, when I, one of the things that stuck out, because I remember this, I, Aaron Hills was the one where the golfers openly complained about how easy it was, correct? was That, that was back in 2017. Justin Thomas, of course, were, t- were invoking that. Uh, but I, if I remember correctly, that's the one in Wisconsin. Uh, over at Aaron Hills, where Justin Thomas yeah. shoots that 63, and there were massive complaints about how easy that thing was in terms of the way that it ended up. And I believe the fin- the, what the winner ended up pretty low under par, if I remember correctly. Was it? Uh, yeah, that was the first round. I think the winner ended up over double digits of par. Yeah, 16 uh, under par, the winner. And that was uh, Brooks Kepka. Brooks, so. Yeah. Uh, well, you see there, U.S. Open round one scoring stats, the field average 71.38. Uh, the morning and evening, not too much separation. The morning wave, though, at 71.58. The p.m. wave at 71.18. And then you see the front nine to the back nine, and the difference is there. 37 rounds in the 60s and none in the 80s over at the U.S. Open. So, so that's the big one, though, that front nine, big n- back yeah. nine split. If you're looking at live betting or anything like that, keep that in mind. Um, throughout throughout the entire week, we kind of thought it was going to set up that way. That's the one thing we did see play out yesterday of that front that front nine being a whole lot easier than that back nine. So let me ask you this: uh, over at vcin.com, you can sign up for the newsletter. You get it in your morning your mailbox every morning. I was reading mine today. Um, Matt Humans had a blurb in there, and uh, I thought it was a good idea. So I tailed Matt a little bit. I did add one golfer to the portfolio in between rounds, uh, considering how we saw the way that this course played. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit what Matt said in the newsletter. But there's obviously going to be some 60s out there, some low 60s potentially. That means guys that are in the range of two under, one under, still have a shot to make a push uh, to get back into this thing. John Rahm at 24 to 1, uh, an adjusted price there. He was over at Circa at 24 to 1 to win this thing after the first round. That was the one that I added to the portfolio. I actually got a couple of guys that are kind of near the top. Um, but for the most part, I thought, you know what? If, if there is a guy that's capable of a very low round, as all of these guys are, and if you thought that Rom was going to be pretty live here, I don't even think it, what is he, one under, that he's going to be yeah. like totally toast after just one round here. Well, I'm joining you there, JVT, because I did all the right. same thing. Yeah, I did the same thing. I, the way I set up my outright card was always kind of with the hope that I was able to get in on John Rom or Scotty Scheffler live uh, here at some point. We're both. Um, so, yeah, 24 to 1 over at Circa. I, I think you're, I was shopping around the rest of the country. I think it was eight, it's 18 at DraftKings right now. I think if you're looking at anything around 20, 
Uh, I, I think it's a good play on John Rahm. I mean, he's still a guy that I, I believe in a lot here um, and has the game, the, you know, has the perfect game to truly contend here. So, um, yeah, it was uh, – Look, Ricky and, and Xander, I don't think you're going to expect them to go out and do it, do what they did every day like they did yeah. in that first round. And if this well, course gets a little tougher, these scores are going to continue to bunch together. And narratively, it's it's fascinating because it's these two guys, mm-hmm. right? It's Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley, the guys that we've been kind of waiting for to get this thing done in these moments. I, I it's I'm actually like the pressure's got to be so heavy for both of those guys to get out to the start that they did to have the narrative pressure around them. We've all been waiting for it. And you still have guys like Rory had a good day yesterday. You got a lot of guys that are still going to be in this mix. So it's going to be fun to track. Yep. All right, we're not done with the USO, but I have one more question for Kelly. Uh, we've also got to get to a lot from last night, including, man, if there was, in the month of June, an MVP-type series in baseball, Shohei Otani just had it. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. Time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting and boosted odd specials, and a little bit more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state issued ID to open account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms. It's got to be 21 and in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, 1-800-522-4700. All right, we did kind of bury the lead there. We should note, uh, we talked about the two guys at the top over at the U.S. Open. 
But your adjusted odds for the U.S. Open as we enter round two. We are underway early golfers are out on the course. Xander Schauffele is the favorite over at DraftKings plus 320. Rory McIlroy right behind him at 5-1. to one. Scotty Scheffler and Ricky Fowler both sitting at 650. Dustin Johnson at 850. And then you get into the double digits after that. Wyndham Clark at 12. John Rahm at 18 over at DraftKings. Again, if you shopped around, you could have gotten Rahm at 24-1. to one. DeChambeau at 22-1. That's one of the golfers, too. Got a top 20. That's uh, a solid day for him in the top 10, or excuse me, in the top 20. Uh, Max Homa in the top 20 as well. Then you get Hovland and Homa and Finau all at 35-1. to Siwoo Kim at 45-1. to I so. think the other bet I'm going to add, Sean, since uh, uh-huh. we, since I have the I have the ability as of yesterday, is to add that John Rom live top ten. That's the that's the other one. Yeah, I, plus I bet, one fifteen. Yeah, yeah, I bet the outright, but Caesars here in town, we got plus one fifteen as well. So I think that's a good bet on on a top ten for Rom. <laughs> you love that Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. Oh yeah. Do, do, do we want to discuss our same game parlay from yesterday? Bro, <laughs> how the two guys didn't even. Get- <laughs> That was great. I mean, I guess that's the danger. That's the danger of putting those. Uh, it's SGPs the danger of putting those in, yeah. Uh, especially at the uh, the start of it, right? Yeah. Xander Shoffley, the favorite here. So we move on from this. And, and actually, anyway, were you outside of Rom? What are you thinking of adding? Anything else? Uh, no, nothing else. I think that the other guy that would be interesting is look, Dustin Johnson was unbelievable yesterday. Uh, T to Green gained over seven strokes. Like that is incredible. When you go back and just look historically, what this guy's done, uh, T to Green gaining strokes, it is. Uh, I, I mean, he's up there with some, with some of the all-time greats in U.S. Open history here. So, um, yeah. Uh, that would be the only other guy I would possibly consider. But, you know, again, like we've talked about JVT, he's not a guy I've got enough uh, stat info on and what he's done for live uh, on live here over the past few months. So I mentioned I had a question for you. When you watch a round, what are you looking for statistically that you want to latch on to that would give you an idea of maybe a golfer having either better fortunes coming or if a guy got kind of lucky through a first round, for, for lack of a better term, got yeah. a little lucky. Yeah, I think it's uh, – at tougher courses like this, I think it's usually where I dial back uh, live betting a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, what you're usually looking for is those guys that, that that putt well over their heads. And, like, I mean, Ricky Fowler, I hate to say it, he was good tee to green yesterday. But he also gained almost five strokes on the field putting. There's Look, there's good putters. Uh, on the tour, there are b- guys that are better putting, the, the, uh, better putters than others. But that is a high variance part of the game, right? That is like three point shooting in the NBA when we talk about it. So you kind of look for those guys that had really, really bad putting de- rounds or really good putting rounds, and you kind of expect those guys to regress the mean a little bit more. I feel like after round one, I, I, this is just my thought, because you have more leeway, right, for three rounds coming. Is round one when you want to get the adjusted odds, or no? Uh, I usually wait a little bit longer. Okay. Rom was Rom. I jumped on only because I already had that circle as kind of my plan for this tournament, anyways. So I don't. I'm hoping that I never see odds this long again on John Rom. So that that's why I bet him uh, bet him now. Um, but yeah, you, usually what I like to do, JVT, is wait till after the cut. Wait till after okay. the cut. You get a better feel heading into the weekend uh, of what what odds look like, what go, uh, what golfer, golfers have looked like. Uh, and all that good stuff, you can re- reevaluate your position, see if some of your bets maybe already got blown up, uh, if guys got uh, did get missed the cut, all that stuff. I think it's a good time to, to to evaluate after that second round. All right, with that, we move on. National Football League, we have a lot of big names that are out and available. I know one of the things you wanted to hit on, and I think this is something that I, I think this is legitimately going to happen. I would argue the Patriots have a history of doing this thing. So we get a report the other day that the Patriots are going to put the full-court press on DeAndre Hopkins 
in this meeting that they're going to have, uh, work out whatever it's going to be, uh, to get him to stick around. And I think that this is something I, I invoked this. I don't know if we talked about this on the air, but, you know, there's if you look through Patriots past, we'll say, I think there's quite a few names in terms of wide receivers that they have gone to go grab, whether it's the big name of Randy Moss, Chad Otrasingo onwards. There's a lot of different dudes that have come in as wide receivers because let's be honest, as the Patriots are even money favorites to grab DeAndre Hopkins and where he will play next. Yep. Bill Belichick doesn't have a really long and like true history of develop drafting and developing wide receivers, right? Like a lot of the most successful receivers that you've seen from the New England Patriots in his time there have been guys that have come in from other teams. Um, and I think that this is just something that fits really well. Obviously he's played in Bill O'Brien's system. There's familiarity there. Mac Jones needs like a number one target at the very most uh, to really, I think, get back to the form that he's capable of being. That was his first year as rookie year now in a new offense and a real offense at that Tell me why the Patriots aren't odds-on favorites I, I don't to know. land DeAndre I, Hopkins. You and I talked about this a little bit after the show yesterday. It was plus 115 then, so I guess it has moved 15 cents. But I'm with you, man. I, I mean, hey, the, the, he met with them, what, over the course of the past two days, I believe. Does plan on making other visits, I know. But, man, th- this, this feels way too obvious. Like, this is going to happen, and... Uh, I, I mean, what the only the only pu- I, the only pushback I have in my own mind is Bill O'Brien, right? It was the apparently they didn't have a good relationship together when yeah. they were together in Houston. That's like the only thing I've heard. But why would he even be in for a visit? Well, I think, if they thought if they thought they couldn't work together, right? I don't know if if Hopkins was quoted or if it was a report. But either way, the information is out there that they're fine. Like, like there they're you gonna, go. Like, they're the, fine. Relationship wise, yeah. that like they're fine. I think this is really interesting because you look around, if we're talking about – I've said this a lot. Like, I think the Patriots are a pretty undervalued team as we head into the next NFL season. Yep. Uh, I, defensively, they're a very good team. They were one of the best ones last year statistically. If you look at some of the EPA numbers, uh, I do think that Mac Jones is closer. I always find it funny. I always say this, Kelly. Like, it's funny what we wait as true and don't. And in two seasons, for some reason, the masses think, oh, the bad Mac Jones in an offense that wasn't even constructed very well is the real Mac Jones, not the Mac Jones that played under Josh McDonald. Daniels, I think it gives you a low key chance to at least make it to the playoffs. Like if you're the if you're joining the New England Patriots, you're at the very least making them better. If you're, DeAndre I mean, they, they got to. I, I think one of the easier thing here things here is look at that Patriots depth chart. They have like that wide receiver room is pretty bleak. You got to add. I I I think you do it, JVT. I think you do it just to figure out. You've got to know at some point what you have in Mac Jones. I know you are higher on him than I am, but like after a big year one, he took a major step back. I think it, I think it's easy and partially true to make the argument that hey, this guy had no help on the offense last year, either player wise or coaching. Right? Yep. He had a defensive coordinator as his offensive coordinator. Like you need to bring weapons in like this just to figure out if this is truly your franchise quarterback going forward, or if you need to cut him loose sooner sooner than later. Like I, these teams that take quarterbacks and sit on them forever to figure out what they got, I think is the worst thing you can do in the end. Jordan NFL. Love? Yeah. <laughs> Green Bay Packers? No, nah, but it's like, you know, like, I always give credit. Like, we might think of what the, we might think what we want to think about the Cardinals this year, but I always give them credit for cutting Josh Rosen loose as soon as they did and moving on. Yeah. You got a bad hand, muck it away, and go, go get a better hand. Well, it helps when you get the first overall pick. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so if you're going to do it, do it. Um, and for the pay, like I said, at the very least, too, like you have at least one somewhat large sample size of 16 games where he led you to 10 wins. 
that tells you that he's at least capable of playing some pretty good football. And that year, too, they had like a, a seven-week stretch where I think they covered six out of seven games on the way to the postseason. Uh, I thought they were really, really freaking good. So now we move on to our next player really quickly. So I think that this is good. Like the Patriots, we have good information. That's going to be the case. I think Hopkins is going to end up being a New England Patriot. I, I mean, real quick, real yeah. quick on that. Like it's Patriots are nothing right now, right? Like you can't bet any, anyone else right now. I think so there was the thought of the Bills. And right. I think that maybe they're up there because of everything that happened with Stephon Diggs, but it seems to I'm be I'm just okay not willing now. to gamble but, on three and a half to one on that, right? Correct. Also, I, I don't think this is real. Twitter, Twitter, I don't know. Did you see the alleged reason why Stephon Diggs did what he did? No, I didn't. But I, can't I don't think this is true, but I kind of <laughs> hope it is. I'm like 95% just not true, but I'll, I'll, I'll recklessly speculate that he was mad that Josh Allen got the cover of Madden. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you would really hope that's not true. But, but look, at, I'll say this. I'll say this. Remember, what was he saying? Were they all saying? Was, ah, you know, some of it was football. Some of it was like some personal stuff. Josh Allen even said, I have to do like he, he blamed himself. Mm-hmm. Could it actually be true that Stephon Diggs felt that he deserved more credit and should have been on the cover of Madden with Josh Allen? <laughs> I, think, I think that part's absurd. I think if there, I, I think I think there could be problems between the two of them. Yeah, and I think Josh Allen may, spoke honestly about it, maybe too honestly. I don't really know. It was weird. Both him and McDermott. Yeah, like I, really I kind of want to respect what Josh Allen did, but maybe he spoke completely out of turn. Yep. You know what I mean? All right, we'll get to the NBA draft. We had a lot of movers over the last 24 hours. We'll discuss why that is, and we have a surprising name that popped up for the fifth overall pick. We'll discuss that when we come back here on the Numbers Game. A Numbers Game on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a smarter sports better with VEASAN Pro subscription. For a limited time, you can sign up for just $9.99, get full access to everything we do. That would include daily pro picks and all the summer action, including NFL and college football futures, premium analysis from our top team of handicappers and industry experts, 24-7 video access and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits showing you where the public and sharp money is going to give you an edge. Don't miss out on our lowest intro price of the year. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to sign up today. All right, a numbers game here on VSIN. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander. Uh, NBA draft, of course, that is quickly approaching less than a week away. Next Thursday, we will hear names called, and markets are starting to go up a little bit more. I, I thought it was fascinating, though, because we talked about this yesterday, and while we were recording Hardwood Handicappers, Kelly, and while we were on the air just discussing it, there was a lot of movement in the NBA betting market when it came to the draft, and I thought it was worth at least – highlighting a couple of them before we get to some of the surprising names that are starting to pop up because now you're getting more information. And I would say that more information about now is probably going to be a little bit more accurate. Um, But let's first talk about some of the odd shifts that we've seen uh, when it comes to at least some of the props that have been up there for a while. Uh, First of which is, uh, let's talk about second overall pick. So this was one that you had brought up uh, ever, like just slowly but surely. We saw that the second overall pick odds for Brandon Miller were just moving in his direction steadily. Um, And yet, here you go. Minus 250 was, I think, the peak price that I saw for him as of this morning. Minus 170. Again, this happened over the last 24 hours. So he's down to minus 170 to go. Second overall, Scoot Miller up. uh, Scoot Henderson, excuse me, up to plus 110. Scoot Henderson to go third overall goes from minus 185 yesterday to minus 150. And I will say this does come on the heels. I don't know if you listened yesterday, Kelly, but there was a um, there was a a podcast. Jonathan Gavoni and uh, Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks. They were uh, they did a podcast talk about the draft. 
And Jonathan Gavoni actually gave some more like words to the workouts over the weekend. Scoot Henderson apparently killed the workout against Charlotte or for Charlotte. And Brandon Miller, he was actually there. They worked out together. Maybe not the best when it came to Brandon Miller's workout. Conditioning was an issue. But Gavoni still said that Miller would probably be the selection, just that the gap between them had shrunk. And on the heels of that podcast, what do you get? A shrink of the odds, right? Brandon Miller down to minus 170. The other, Amon Thompson over Asar Thompson. We've seen this climb back. Goes from minus 210 to minus 350. Again, this is over the course of the last 24 hours. And then Asar Thompson over Jairus Walker. Walker, all of a sudden, after sliding, in terms of the odds at least, is making a late push now. Asar Thompson got as high as minus 160, now minus 115. I think Walker is one of the interesting ones because, like I said, hadn't really heard anything positive or anything. He just kept sliding because yeah. everybody else was moving up. Now, all of a sudden, it, you know what it reminds me of? It's like the quarterbacks, except at a lesser level, which is if you looked at C.J. Stroud for a while, what did we know? It was it was going to be um, – why is his name escaping me? Wow. Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. Yeah. yeah. It was Bryce Young, number one, C.J. Stroud, number two. Stroud kind of slips. Everybody's like, watch out. Stroud could fall. And then right at the time we get to the draft, what happens? Stroud's right back. He was going to be the second quarterback taken. Same thing here maybe with Jairus Walker. Like for a while, Walker was going to be like the fifth the fifth guy in that mix, whatever. He starts to slide, yeah. and now we're starting to see that snap back for Walker. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm getting that feeling, you know, because I didn't have a great NFL draft. I'm getting that feeling for <laughs> number two, number three. Right, yep. Right, it was, yeah, you know, for how long was it Scoot was the – I mean, at this time a year ago, we were talking about – Scoot versus Wembenyama for the first overall pick, right? Like, that that's what we were talking about. And then a couple months later, it was like, all right, well, Wembenyama's obviously the number one pick, but Scoot's number two right behind it. And ever since, like, the NCAA tournament, we've had this shift towards Brandon Miller. And, like, could that same thing be happening at two and three? And I'm going to probably vomit if it does. Right. Uh, because I've got nice tickets on Brandon Miller, too, as you as do you, and uh, Scoot three. Um but yeah, I, w- I think the way to read into the rest of the rest of the top ten. I know we're gonna look at odds here in a sec on those, but these, it, like the Thompson brothers, are the key to figuring out how this order is gonna go. Yep. And JVZ, I don't know if anybody has a real firm handle on what's gonna happen with those two guys. And, and a lot of it, not just them, has to do with teams too, right? Yep. Team needs and team trades, and a lot of these reports of teams wanting to move up. But what you get. If, as far as kind of like the big board, right? It's just a big board of talent. It's a lot of guards after Victor Wembenyama, right? So yep. there is, there's going to be teams that even though they might be the more talented players, they they might fall just because got, teams want a want a more secure big men or wing player from from a college, right? I think that's what you're seeing with the, you know, Hendricks of the world, the Walkers of the world. Yep. Um, you know, even Derek Lively out of Duke, right? I think there is at least a sense, a more sense of comfort for going after one of these big guys, wing players, instead of one of these unknown guards, which I think there's still a little bit of a feeling of. Yep, absolutely. So you mentioned the top 10. So we have two massive favorites to land inside of the top 10, and, and that is rightfully so. Anthony Black is minus 3,000 to be a top 10 selection. And this is an index prop, so you can't come in and bet the no. Uh, this is just odds to be drafted top 10. So Anthony Black at the top, minus 3,000. Taylor Hendricks. 
minus 2,000. I mentioned a surprising name that was tied to the Detroit Pistons in one of the most recent articles over the in the Athletic. Uh, Hendricks was one of them. Taylor Hendricks uh, is one of the names apparently being thrown around for the Detroit Pistons at number five. I would assume it's the way that the board breaks, one through four, depending on what the Detroit Pistons are going to do there. But Hendricks is, I think, one of those risers. Initially, his draft position prop nine and a half, now eight and a half. He does seem a, a near certainty to be selected in the top ten. So what's interesting here is, so let's let's take a look overall. In, in no particular order, Kelly, we're talking about Wambanyama, Brandon. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's that's what you have to do first before yeah, yeah. looking at this market, yep. right? So it's uh, Wemanyama, Brandon Miller. It is Scoot Henderson. It is Amon Thompson. It is Cam Whitmore. In no particular order either. Uh, I would say Asar Thompson, Jarris Walker are near certainties to be top 10 picks. Would you say that? Yes, I, I haven't and, seen, and Taylor Hendricks. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't seen anything of it. So then, yeah, we're talking about what, up to seven. Let's go Taylor Hendricks. That would be eight. So really, you're trying to find wiggle room here when you're betting this on two guys. Anthony Black is probably one of them, and, and really, and I think this actually strengthens it, Anthony Black's been tied to the Washington Wizards in almost every single draft. Yep. Every mock draft mm -hmm. that you look at, every single thing, I don't think I've seen a lot of well, mock drafts that it, don't have Anthony Black getting selected number nine. And eight, outside of that, JVC, I just haven't heard. It's another guy you haven't really heard much about, yep. right? Like, we we heard about him all throughout the college basketball season as as being a lottery pick. But then we haven't really, but then we really haven't heard much in the past, I don't know, two months. Yep. And, and I have to tell you, I don't know what you would do with this market overall. Because if that's all certain, so we essentially have nine selections that we're pretty sure are going to be top right. 10 picks. So of these guys, you're essentially saying, which one's going to sneak into number 10? And if you look at it, the problem with it is that the 10th overall selection right now is the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks, by all accounts, want to shop that pick. They wanted a top 10 pick for a reason. So they could use it to go do something. Because their roster is extremely thin. They don't know what's going to happen. They want to add piece or a piece next to Luka Doncic and what they would hope would be Kyrie Irving. So you don't really know what the selection is going to be because I don't think we know the team who's making that 10th overall pick. Yeah. I like, I tend to think it's that Derek Lively is a, has a really good chance of going with that 10th that spot. But <laughs> to your point, I think that it's so up in the air that I almost think you need to look further down the board. And, and the, the only name I'm going to bring up here that I would maybe consider uh, is Bilal. Bilal Koulibaly, yep. the, guy, the teammate of Victor Webmanyama, who has been – he's just been rising. He's been yep. rising as as his teams continue to play. That's something that Luke brought up yesterday. It's a great point where all these other guys are just doing workouts and not playing right now. You know, they're they, they've been playing – uh, the, the the Metropolitans have been playing up until what? It was a week, a couple yep. days ago, a week and ago. It's worth noting, Gavoni put in his latest mock draft that the Utah Jazz, who picked number nine, did send people just last week to go give him another look there while he was playing. So yeah. there's so, at least interest there. I think you would. I think if you're looking at this, at looking at these odds, I'd rather take a longer shot, five to one price on him. Then, then you know, yeah, Derek Lively, I, I think, has a good chance of going in that top 10. But, again, we're really only talking about kind of one pick here. At least if you yep. assume, you know, you assume the Thompson Twins, nothing's going to ha happen there, right? Nobody's going to fall like crazy. If we assume we kind of know eight to nine names, then I think you got to go with a longer shot here. Yep, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, because everything and else. And he's the just... only one. Like, I mean, any of these other guys, though, around his odds, have you even heard of going in the top 10? 
Nah, I mean, it's so at one point early on, Jalen Hutchifino was a guy that maybe could have made it in there for upside. Uh, there was a couple of mock drafts that tied the Jazz to him, but that's been gone for a while now. He's now in the mid, like, you know, 12 to 14 range uh, from what I've seen. I think that's really the only name out of all of these. It's the only name that I've seen can like at least at one point in some mock drafts that I've read inside of the top 10. And to your point about Grady Dick, all accounts are he's one of those that has improved his stock because of the way that his offseason has gone in terms of workouts, in terms of the way that he's uh, you know, met with teams and whatnot. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. I, man. Lively's going to be a good center, but it's going to be interesting to see if that's going to be worth a top 10 selection. Right. You know, yeah, right, which is, I think. That is the statement about him, right? Yep. I think does his game translate? I don't know. I think he, I think he took like 13 threes last year and made like two of them. Yep. So you know, is he? Good, is the, what does that mean? Is that a guy that you're going to try to stretch the floor with more over time, or no? Are we just a seven foot one old school center? And you can't do much beyond that. I don't know. I do love that uh, in Gavoni's latest mock draft, the whole intro is about how Scoot Henderson's still in play at number two, and then he still puts Brandon Miller at number two. I think that kind of tells you a little <laughs> I bit. I read that this on. morning and got confused, too. <laughs> right. Like, that's the whole lead of the article. And then it's like, nope, he's, uh, he's actually not moving up, though. All right, we got plenty left to get to. Uh, I'm not going to get excited. We have to talk about Otani really quickly when we come back. The guy was brilliant in this series against Texas, and those Angels, man, one game out of the wild card. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Turn a loss into a win with BetMGM, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Place the same game parlay wager with at least four legs on any MLB game. If all legs of the parlay hit but one, you'll get your stake back in bonus bets up to 25 bucks. Only at BetMGM, best place to bet on baseball. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. BetMGM.com for terms. Got to be 21. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. They expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER is the number. Promotion not available in D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, and New York. Back here on the numbers game, Jonathan Von Tobel, last day filling in for Gil Alexander. He'll be back on Monday. Kelly Bidlin is here. Um, I know you're all happy to hear that. Okay. Kelly, I got to tell you, it happens almost every year. For those who don't know, I'm rocking the red for a reason today, too. I'm an Angels fan. Angels are excited. Why you make a face? <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with this. What do you mean? <laughs> like, we were going to talk about it. This is what we're supposed yeah, to talk yeah, about. Cool. Um, I didn't know that's why you wore the red. No, I just was kidding. I, <laughs> I actually just pulled this out. It just happened to be that we're talking about it right now. Um, Shohei Otani just had a series, and it was a big – I, I, we always do this. It's only June. No, man. We're, we're 70-ish games into this thing. We're quickly approaching the halfway point. You've got to start winning some of these games. Otani now minus 300 favorite to an American League MVP. For those who do not know what Shohei Otani just did in the series against the Texas Rangers, how about this? Four games. Angels take three of four, by the way, from the division leader, so that's big. One game out of the wild card. Otani in this series, seven hits – on 12 at-bats, 20 plate appearances, hit four home runs, drove in eight, got walked seven times. He had multiple high-leverage show uh, spots, too, including in one of the games where he hits a game-tying shot and then in extras hits what was going to be the eventual game-winning two-run shot. He has been brilliant. Uh, I think he had the – I'll have to look this up. This is actually – this is one of my favorite stats. I saved this just for anybody out there who would enjoy these kind of numbers. Longest opposite field home runs of the season. Otani just hit one in this series. Otani, 459 <laughs> feet on Monday. Shohei Otani, 453 feet yesterday. And then Otani, 443 feet. That would be, excuse me, the day before yesterday. And then yesterday, he had 443 feet. So he had, just to recap, because I didn't say that right, he had the three longest opposite field home runs in this series against the Texas Rangers. He And... And the best part about it from yesterday, oh, by the way, he goes out because we had talked about the struggles, right? Maybe he had been regressing a little bit as a, hit, as a pitcher, just a bit. Six innings pitched, two hits. Uh, it used to be six hits, two earned runs, struck out three, and helped the Angels win that final game and win the series. The guy was brilliant yeah. this week. Absolutely yep. brilliant. Yeah, well, I caught some of that yesterday. He's incredible. Uh, so minus 300, is that fair? I, I mean, I think at this point, and here's the thing, because this is the other part, because everybody keeps throwing this out there. I'm wholeheartedly convinced. Femi keeps trying to convince me that the otherwise, he's not going anywhere. They're not trading yeah, him. Yeah. So I, I know that there's a lot of people who thought like, hey, maybe you look around the American League if he's traded away, especially in the National League, like that's going to make some sort of difference. He's not going to be the no. He like they are one game out of the wild card. They are at least a very adequate team. I think that they're going to be in play for one of these guys, whether it's Marcus Stroman or um, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, somebody to acquire potentially to add to their arms. I, I think that he's going to be around for a while. Like, he's going to be with the Angels. And thus, you know, do I always look at, like, minus 300 at this point of the year and kind of balk a little bit and be like, man, it's a high price at this point of the season? Sure. But if he's just going to continue to play, <laughs> it's, dude. <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's going to be hard with guys like Aaron Judge missing time for anybody to, I think, realistically catch him for MVP. 
Yeah, I know the one. I know the one that Matt Brown, Paul Sporer were both talking about earlier in the week was Vonder Franco. Yeah, Vonder Franco. Uh, yeah. Which I, I think makes sense. But even it's amazing how things can change in a few days, right? And it's, I, I mean, the trade stuff. That's a fair discussion before the season, right? But now, like, if things have changed, right? Like you said, you're in a, t- you're with a team that is com- way more competitive than maybe a lot of people thought they were gonna be. Uh, you're a team that's four and a half games out, out of the division, uh, out of the top of the division. I, I think this completely changes what your strategy might have been. Maybe, maybe you were going to shop him before this. Maybe you had plans in season to shop him and see if you got a ridiculous offer. But yep. no, now why, why would you now? Yep. Like this is, you actually have a chance to make a run here. And this is what his best season so far oh. to this date. Like of all the crazy Shohei hype the past couple years, it doesn't even compare to what he's done so far. The Angels have won 9 of 11. He has homered in every game in that span. He is now tied for the lead in terms of home runs after this stretch that he has been on. He's been absolutely on fire at the plate. So now, and that was the interesting part, too, about this whole thing is if you look at, don't, Phil, I'm getting I'm getting tweets live. He would look great in pinstripes. That's just a tweet I got. No, he would not. All right? <laughs> Otani looks great in the crimson. He looks absolutely fantastic. Um, by the way, I will say, I will never forget this. For those Yankee fans who want him, I will never forget. I'll have to send this clip next time I fill in, Kelly. There was a clip uh, when Otani was coming out where he chose the Angels, where Mike Francesa <laughs> on MLB TV is like, nah, the Yankees don't want him. They're lucky they don't get him. He's, he looks terrible. <laughs> it was right after his tough spring training, his first year in the majors. Yeah, uh, I think that looked a little wrong. But this Angels team, I'll say this. Am I, do I think they're going to win the division? No. But I, I think if you're looking at odds to make the playoffs, I think they're – we talked about this yesterday with Joe Sheehan. I think they're in a pretty good position here. I'm going to let myself dream a little bit. I think there's a very good shot that we're actually going to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the playoffs together this year. Uh-oh. JVT calling his shot. I think so. Angels to make the playoffs. Yes, plus 165, no minus 190. Yep. I mean, if, if they're, and here's the thing. If they add, too, that's the thing. You know, Sheehan made a really great point. If they add depth, uh, if they're assuming they have depth, oh, boy, just got some big breaking news, Kelly. Um NBA related. I think you can guess what it is. Oh, you want it? I, either way. Yeah, we got. We yeah, we got. We got to yeah, go we here. Gotta John go Morant. Here. It's um, in. Yep. The the so it's in the Friday news dump. Although it's a little early, so we get the news cycle here. Uh, to just it just cuts me off from my ranting about uh, Otani of the Angels. <laughs> um, the NBA. To, to sum it all up, JVT loves Otani. He doesn't really know if he'd bet it at minus three hundred, but he's probably going to be the AL MVP. Th- that's a good thing. Yes, <laughs> minus three hundred is a little high at this at this point of the season. He's probably going to win it, but those odds are a little too much. Also, wouldn't say no to a plus price of about plus one twenty for the Angels to make it to the playoffs. Having said that, the news is in. John Morant officially suspended uh, 25 games, apparently, according to Shams Sharan. Yes, I didn't say officially because Shams could be wrong. Uh, very low probability that that's going to be the case. So John Morant suspended 25 games. Uh, that's kind of about there. Is that what you were expecting? I actually didn't expect a big one. Uh, personally, I thought you know, Adam Silver, given the news that had come out about the fake gun, if that was even real or anything like that, that it was going to be a pretty light suspension. 25 games, though, out of an 82-game stretch, pretty good. So no John Moran for 25 games for the Memphis Grizzlies as we head into next year. Yeah, so the 25, I think, is an important number. And this was where you and I were discussing this off-air yesterday of what we thought it was going to be. I thought it was – initially, I thought it was going to be more. I did think the 50-game projections were pretty accurate. Um in the past few days, though, I've, I've heard, I think Woj brought it up, you know, the Miles Bridges situation. 
as a, I mean, I know they are different, different things we're talking about here, but he was suspended, I think it was 30 games by the league for a criminal offense. Yep. You got to keep in mind, John Morant had, has not been charged uh, with anything here. Um, so I think that's why that 25 could make some sense. I also think that if you're not thinking it's stern enough, 25 games takes him out of the running for all NBA awards. Yep. So you have to play. Like you have to play. Uh, what is it? It's a minimum of 65 games. So all the NBA awards for next season, he's going to be ineligible for. As far as now, here's what is it? MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, all NBA, all NBA honors. We, we should clarify because I think people try to make this case. Remember, Kelly, that that is the the threshold that they set, but they also said in the language. Extenuating circumstances, you could make the like certain guys could still qualify if they missed games. Okay, However, that's stupid. So never mind. Right? No, no, but no. I think you're right. I just wanted to clarify because <laughs> no, because I think people are going to make that argument. What I would say is there is no way in hell that people that they're going to allow John Morant the extenuating circumstances being right. suspended 25 games. So I think people would look at that and go, well, maybe he's still got a shot. I would say no, absolutely not. So I think you're right in pointing that out. I, I just think, I think it's important, and we're probably going to have to reiterate this a bunch throughout the summer, but I think it's important to keep that in mind because I wouldn't be shocked if, like, look, the sports books aren't trying to dupe you, but his name might still show up on, uh, depending on some sports books for some of these awards, and he is going to have no chance of winning it. No, not at all. It should be $5,000, $5,000, right. actually 500000 to one uh, to him to win, like, an MVP or anything like that. Because he'd have to, like, you know, average 40 points a game and, like, save a baby panda or something. Never miss like, a game, yeah, yes, from, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not a panda. Maybe a koala. <laughs> um, Wojtarowski did add to his report, suspension will come with conditions for his return. So we'll see exactly what that is going to be. Uh, we'll find that out. But, again, for those who are just uh, tuning in right now, John Morant has been suspended, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and Sean Sharanya, for 25 games to start the 2023-2024 NBA season. Now, the other part about this, can I just say, the I guess if you want to find the silver lining, if you're somebody who you know thinks Memphis is going to be good, whatever. John Moran is a guy who's missed a lot of time, and he has an overtly physical style of play. Maybe it's actually, in terms of longevity, a good thing for him to not play the first 25 games. Might be a slow buildup, but might actually be fully healthy by the time he gets to hey, I mean, and hey, this is absolutely a team that you could clearly see going out to a slow start and pick it up after he comes back. Second hour of a numbers game on the way here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.